Welcome to the We Are Calvary podcast, where our mission is to share Jesus and help people experience life change. Thank you so much for listening. Here's this week's message. Well, good morning. We're so thankful you're here on this first week of Advent. Isn't the church look just beautiful? All the decor and all the things. And um, yes. Our team did such a great job just prepping and getting ready, and we're just excited. We love Christmas around here, and so we're grateful to get to celebrate these next number of weeks leading up to Christmas. That video that you just saw is a glimpse of what our Christmas Eve services look like, and this week, this year happens to be over a weekend, so we're going to have 84 different Christmas Eve experiences for you to choose from, <laughs> and uh, there's just lots of options, but yeah, we're, everything from now just builds this anticipation and this expectation in our heart towards that celebration on Christmas Eve of Jesus' birth. And that's what the season of Advent means. Advent is a Latin word. It means coming or arrival. And we celebrate, as followers of Jesus, we celebrate his coming. Now, this is in, in two ways. We, we look back at his first arrival, his first coming. We, we look back at how Jesus came. He came on mission to bring us back in relationship with God. And he came as a humble baby in a manger. We look back and we get to reflect on all the great things that we get to now access to the promises of God because of Jesus coming. But we also look forward. Advent is not just looking back, it's also looking forward to the second time Jesus chooses to return and to come home for his church. And we get to sit with this expectation. So my prayer for you Calvary, is that this month, December, would be a month full of just expectation and experiencing Christ anew and allowing him to do something new in your heart this Christmas season. Amen. So maybe so. We're going to be in Hebrews chapter 6 this morning. I'd invite you to stand to your feet if you'd be so willing to. We talk through certain themes in Advent. And the Lord uh, has been so gracious to me to bring me to Hebrews chapter 6. And uh, I get the opportunity to talk about hope this morning. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 13 says this, When God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. And so after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. People swear by someone greater than themselves, and the oath confirms what is said and puts an end to all argument. Because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what he has promised, he confirmed it with an oath. Verse 18, God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we have fled to take hold, catch this, take hold of the hope set before us may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner Jesus has entered on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever. And so Holy Spirit, come and speak to us through the scriptures. We sit under your teaching this morning, Lord, that you would teach all of us. Thank you for the word of God that has been a gift and treasure given to us so that we can become more like the person of Jesus. And I pray, God, in the midst of all the things we see, that we would become the very hope, the people of hope that the world is so desperately looking for, not in our own strength, but because we allow the light of Christ to shine brightly in us and to shape us and mold us and so that we can leave as changed people this morning. So may this 
few minutes we have together may it be deeply important for our spiritual life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen, you may be seated this morning. When I was, when I was thinking about hope, and in particular that phrase, take hold of hope, I was thinking about a time a number of years ago that I was flying back from Arizona into Seattle. And uh, how many of you just know that the flight into Seattle is so beautiful, right? You see 20 different mountains and all the trees and the waters and the lakes, and it's incredible. And we're about to land, and everyone's looking. And I don't know if it's just me or if anyone else thinks this. Every time uh, your plane's about to land, you're like, am I going to be the one plane that doesn't land today, right? <laughs> At least that's maybe my, every time I fly, I'm like, okay, I'm pretty, I'm 99% sure this is going to land. And we, we, we are about, like, we're, we're about to hit the ground. And everyone on the plane hears the engines rev up again. Now, you're supposed to hear the opposite when you're landing a plane, and the engines, they rev up again, and the pilot, he takes us back up into the air. Yeah, that's what I thought, too. <laughs> and, and so we're, we're heading back up in the air, and we went from just about to land to now we are circling over the city of Seattle, just around and around and around, and no one said anything, right? We're just like, we're sitting there, and it's silent, and we didn't hear from the pilot. Eventually, about five minutes, felt like 50 minutes later, he got on and said, hey, there was another plane on the runway at the same time we were trying to land and we had to abort and all these things. We made it, praise God, everything's good. Um, but that moment, that moment when we were about to take, we we're about to land and the engines rev up again and we take off, we held on to our armrests, let me tell you that. There was a tension in that plane. There was, a, there was a worry in that plane. There was a, what is going on in that plane? And friends, it's kind of like life, isn't it? <laughs> isn't that kind of what life feels like? Holding on to your armrests right now, hoping, that, okay, this is, I hope that this is all gonna work out. I'm not sure what's all going on, but you hold on with this tension. And I guess my, my question to you this morning is, what are the things that you're holding on to? What are the things that when life maybe gets a little shaky, you, you hold on to this morning? I want to challenge and encourage us, as, as the scripture in Hebrews chapter 6 tells us, that we would actually hold on to, we would take hold, we would take hold of hope. That we'd be the types of people that hold on to hope in these seasons, in this time. I, I love what this quote says. I couldn't find who originally said this. It's been taken by hundreds of pastors. But it says this, you can live about a month without food, you can live three days without water. You can live six minutes without air, but you can't live for one minute without hope. I'm gonna read that again. You can live for a month without food, three days without water, six minutes without air, but you cannot go one minute without hope. I think we are desperate, like the air we breathe, like our soul is desperate for, for hope this morning. Well, let's talk about Christian hope this morning. Let's talk about what it means to have hope. But first, before we can talk about how hope can help us in our spiritual life. I think we need to understand what hope is. And here's the first thing I want you to see this morning. Christian hope, it's not. It's not psychological. Christian hope is not psychological. In other words, Christian hope isn't optimism. Now, I, I tend to be a glass half full kind of person most of the time. I tend to be a more optimistic person. But can I tell you this morning, that's not hope. You can't positive thinking your way into hope. You can't say, if I just change the way I think about this situation, 
What, what optimism does, and catch this this morning, what optimism does is it takes a circumstance and it tries to put a positive spin on it. It takes a circumstance and it doesn't see the circumstance maybe fully how it is. It takes a, a, like a positive spin. That's, that's not hope this morning. Hope is not trying to see a circumstance through a new lens. Hope isn't, isn't choosing this positive, positive thinking. Hope isn't like rolling the dice and seeing, okay, if I can just get this right and this right and this right and the good outweighs the bad, I'm just gonna hope. I'm just hopeful that things are all gonna line up. That's not hope this morning. That is, that is psychological. Christian hope is not psychological, but this is what Christian hope is. And catch this, Christian hope is theological. Christian hope is not psychological. Christian hope is theological. The great, the, the great C.S. Lewis wrote this. Hope is one of the theological virtues. Catch that? Theological virtues. This means that a continual looking forward to the eternal world is not, as some modern people think, a form of escapism or wishful thinking, but one of the things a Christian is meant to do. It does not mean that we are to leave this present world as it is. If you read history, you'll find that Christians who did the most for the present world were just those that thought most of, of the next. I wanna show you this morning that Christian hope is theological. What, is the, what does theology mean? That could be a big church-ease, Christian-ease kind of a word. What's theology? Theology is the study of God. It's the study of God. Now, show of hands, who's thought about what God is like? Hopefully you're in the church. Most of us, that would be yes. Then congratulations, you're a theologian, right? You don't need to go to seminary. You don't need to go get, like, you are a theologian. The theology is a study of God, and every Christian ought to be a theologian. Every Christian ought to deep, think deeply about what, it means, about what it means to worship God, about God's nature, about God's character. And so all of us are theologians this morning. So hope is the theological. It's important that we think about who God is and how what God's like impacts what hope really means for us today. So the number one thing from Hebrews chapter six that I wanna pull out this morning is that hope is theological and it's rooted in the grand story of God. That hope is rooted as a theological basis in the grand story of God. I'll reread what we read in verse six, or chapter six, verse 13. When God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself. Now that would, that's fascinating to me. How many know if God just says, because of my name, I'm gonna swear by this happening and God is the greatest being. If God says it, it's gonna happen, amen? That's what he's saying. Surely I will bless you and I will give you many descendants, Abraham. And so after waiting patiently, Abraham received what he had promised. This, this glimpse, this picture of, of using Abraham in the book of Hebrews is like the author of Hebrews trying to get us to, to, to zoom out, to see the greater picture, to see the grander story of what God is writing. Abraham like, represents a greater picture of what God's writing in the world. Abraham was all the way back, you can go back to read all about Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. Abraham follows all the events that happen in Genesis. Genesis chapter one, God creates everything. In Genesis two, God breathes and things are in existence. Genesis one and two are these beautiful accounts of the creation. He creates the, the 
mountains and the moon and the sun and the stars. And then he creates you and me and the water and all the beauty of creation. And then the Bible says, after God gets done breathing and things just existing and things just coming into play, worlds coming into existence, God's like, this is good. Aren't you grateful that God's an artist? Don't you, don't you think that in the sunrise of the, of the morning when you see Mount Rainier? This is, God is so, he's like, that I created, it was good. And that time there was no sin, there was no brokenness, there was no, there, there, was, there was no bent, there was nothing. It was just God walking in the garden, the Bible says, with Adam and Eve. And they had this intimate relationship. They were just close. They talked, they talked as if you would talk with a friend, the scriptures say. And then Genesis chapter three happens. You see, Genesis one and two, everything was good. And God says, Adam and Eve, you take it all. You, you, can, you, can, you can steward the earth. You, you love the earth. You care for it. You, you have dreams and you do all, like you, Adam and Eve, you can have all these things. But there's one thing, Adam and Eve, you can't have. One thing, all of this is yours, except for that one tree over there. Why did God do that? Don't you wonder that? Why? This is what I think. I think God did that because God loves us so deeply. And with there to be love, there has to be a choice. Forced love is not real love. Genuine love is, I've created all of this and I'm extending an invitation to be in relationship with you. If you, you can have all of this, but if you go and do that one thing, you're choosing you over me. And so that's what Adam and Eve chose. They chose to go to the tree and the minute they began ate that, the Bible says they became like God. They began to, to become like little gods. And that was the problem. Sin entered the world. Brokenness entered the world. And, and the most important part of understanding this is sin is separation. So Adam and Eve, who were in a intimate, beautiful relationship with God, now there was a separation between them and God. Is this making sense this morning? But what does God do? God does what God has always done, as he makes a covenant. He pursues back with his people. Are you grateful this morning that God is always about pursuing his people? That he doesn't just leave us in our sin and say, well, yep, they made that choice. I warned them they should not have done that. No, no, God immediately in the Genesis account, God begins to make these covenants with his people. And one of the covenants he, he makes, and this is why it matters this morning, one of the covenants he makes is through someone named Abraham. He makes this Abrahamic covenant. And he says, through Abraham, yeah, you're, you're, gonna, you're gonna have a great land, Israel. You're gonna have a great nation, Israel. A great name, a great blessing that will extend to him through all the families of the earth. In other words, Abraham, through you, through you, you will be this figure that will be my showing of my love and my grace and my blessing to God's people. And eventually, here we are thousands of years later, we, we now have been, have been categorized and loved as the church because of the blessing that started with Abraham and all throughout the Old Testament until Christ came. Is this making sense this morning? Hopefully it makes sense. God made a promise to Abraham but here's the, here's the reality. He said, I'm gonna make you great. You have lots of kids. Be a blessing. Here's the problem. Abraham was like in his 90s or 100 years old. <laughs> now, I don't remember the last time you've heard someone that was 90 or 100 years old that were having lots of kids. <laughs> but this was his promise to Abraham. 
and his wife was barren. His wife had never had, hadn't had kids, couldn't get pregnant. And so God made a promise to Abraham, yet in the midst of it, there, there wasn't a logical response to it. Eventually, Abraham and Sarah start having kids, and God is true on his promise. What am I trying to get you to see this morning? This glimpse of Abraham and the grand story of God, how God uses Abraham in the midst of brokenness and sin. God is, be, uses Abraham to begin to write a new grand story of God. That's hope this morning. Hope is that God's still writing a story God's still showing his grace. God's still showing his love. He did it through Abraham. He did it through David. He did it through Moses. He did it through Jesus. And now he's doing it in our midst today. That's hope that God is a story writer and he's still writing a story. And the story is not over yet. He's still writing it through us today. What's this teach us? That God's past faithfulness to people like Abraham who waited and waited and waited for the blessing and then the blessing came shows us that God's past faithfulness is actually what motivates hope for the future. It's what motivates in our hearts to see that God's still writing his story and he gives us a hope to see in our life. Hope is theological through, through the grand story of God. Number two, hope is theological because it's rooted. Hope is rooted in the word of God. Hope is rooted in the word of God. I'll read Hebrews 6, 13 through 18, but I wanna read it in the message paraphrase this morning. It says this, when people make promises, they guarantee them by appeal to some authority above them so that if there were any question that they'll make good on the promise, the authority will back them up. When God wanted to guarantee his promises, he gave his word, which is a rock solid guarantee. God cannot break his word and because his word cannot change, the promise is likewise unchangeable. So in the scriptures, when it says that we have this hope that's an anchor for our soul, I love how Eugene puts it. Eugene Peterson, the author of the message paraphrase, he says, his word cannot change, therefore the promise is unchangeable. I, I'm just so well aware this morning that in a room this size, there's so many of you that are, that are believing lies about yourself. You're believing lies about your circumstance. You're believing lies about what God says and you wake up every day feeling things about yourself that are not true that God would never say about you but you say them about yourself. It, it's good news this morning that hope is theological because hope is not based upon how you're feeling on a Monday morning, amen, right? Hope is not based on how you feel on a Friday night. Hope is not based on how you feel after a hard meeting. Hope is not based on how you feel when someone says something negative or, or someone says something to you that's hurtful. Hope is not based on any of those things. Hope, hope is, is based on God's grand story and that he's writing it. And hope is, is based on the truth of the word of God. And may the truth of God's word be the thing that guides you, not your feelings. Not the things you feel. Feelings lie to us every single day. You know, sometimes I feel something and I say something and then I go back and I said, what I said based upon that feeling of what I thought in that moment was not truth. Has anyone else been there? And then you have to wrap, wrap around and be like, hey, especially in our marriages, amen, right? I didn't mean to say that and I said it and I have to own that I said it. Why? Because I was believing something that was not true in a feeling, and then I then made it worse by saying something untrue to my wife. Has anyone else been there? <laughs> God, it's just me and Jesse. Okay, great. <laughs> Whoever said that. <laughs> oh, you, okay. Sounds good. <laughs> but 
And at the end of the day, hope is, is not based on your feelings. It's based on God's word. This is the theology of hope. Number three, hope is based and rooted in the work of Christ. God's grand story, the truth of God's word. By the way, an hour on a Sunday morning isn't enough for your soul. You, you need time. You gotta pick an Advent devotional. You gotta pick something in this season to, to, to allow your soul to breathe and allow your soul to be in God's word each day. Hope is rooted in the work of, of Christ. This is what Hebrews 6 says. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters into the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner Jesus has entered on our behalf. He has become our high priest forever. We have this hope as an anchor for our soul. Yes, hope is in God's grand story. Yes, hope is rooted in God's word, but make no mistake about it, hope is a person, not a concept. Hope is a person, and his name is Jesus. And this is what we celebrate in this Advent season, this, the incarnate Christ coming, incarnation coming into this world as a baby in a manger, and when he comes, he brings hope with him. He brings hope. Friends, my, my prayer for you this Christmas season is that Christmas would be about nothing more, nothing less than Jesus Christ. You see, I'm like you. I can be so, I can, I, if I look at my December, I haven't even looked at my calendar in December yet. <laughs> How many of us have Christmas party after Christmas party after Christmas party. How many of us have gifts to buy? And all these things are good things. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with them. But we have all these gifts to buy. We have a house to decorate. Some of us, we haven't even cleaned up from Thanksgiving yet, and yet there's a thousand Christmas boxes all over our house, right? And we're, we're getting things ready, and it can just feel so chaotic and so crazy. And then you can just blink and get through December, and the next thing you know is January 1st and New Year's resolutions, and you've missed the entire meaning of Christmas. May it not be us. May, may it not be us that December isn't just something we get through or something that we have to do to make everyone happy. No, no. May your soul rest in the anchor of hope. The anchor of hope this Christmas season. The Bible says that he goes, the, the scripture says, he says he goes beyond the curtain. What's that mean? That's a, that's a theological term. In the temple, there was an outer section, there was an inner section. And the only the only people that could go into the Holy of Holies was, was the priest. And they could only go in a certain time of the year, certain times. And so the priest would go in and would go in on behalf of all the people. And the scripture said that Jesus came as the greatest high priest. He's torn the veil. There's now, therefore, there's not a Holy of Holies. Like behind the stage up there, there's not like this Holy of Holies place. Jesus has now come as hope and he has now given access to himself in relationship for all of us to access him. Is this making sense this morning? That's the anchor for the soul, is Jesus. It's the person of Jesus. I pray that we would, we would get back to the simplicity of the gospel, that if Christmas gets about anything else than Jesus, that we would quickly repent and make it about what it's supposed to be this, this year. So what, what do we do with this? Hope is not psychological. Hope is theological based on these things. What do we do with this? Practically, I just have three things for you to think about of how hope can meet you this morning, of how hope can meet you right where you're at this morning. Number one, hope it helps us fight fear. Hope helps us fight fear because here's what I know. I know in this room, there's some of you that are, you're crippled by fear this morning. 
You might even feel paralyzed by fear this morning, by a decision that you have to make or something that's overwhelming you or something going on in your life and you're just like, I don't know how I'm gonna make this. I don't know what's gonna happen. You feel stuck. Well, the good news is that hope helps us fight fear. Why do I think this? I think this because all throughout the Christmas narratives, there is people like you and me that God has asked to do crazy things and they encountered fear. Zechariah in the, in the Christmas narrative is the father of John the Baptist. Zechariah had parallel stories uh, with Jesus because John the Baptist and Jesus, they play these kind of parallel narratives in the Bible. It's really fascinating. Up until Jesus' ministry, Zechariah, knowing that he is going to be the father to John the Baptist and that John the Baptist was gonna have a really important, crucial role, Zechariah felt fear and the angel shows up to Zechariah and says, Zechariah, do not fear. Mary, Mary, you know, the mom of Jesus, the mother of Jesus, yeah, she was a teenager. Angel shows up to her and says, you're, you're not just gonna be a mom, you're gonna be a mom to the savior of the world, <laughs> to the Messiah. No yeah, no pressure, yeah. Fear. Angel shows up to Mary and says, Mary, Fear not. How about Mary's, who she was engaged to, Joseph? A man trying his best to live by his morals and then being told that his wife, who he was engaged to, was pregnant. And the rumors led him to fear and almost end his engagement with Mary. Angel shows up to Joseph. Joseph, don't fear. Consider the shepherds. The angel shows up and says, do not fear. It's because I think in this time of Advent as we read the Christmas stories and we read the, all the things that happen around the birth of Christ, just like they experienced fear, we still experience fear today. And I just, I just wanna encourage you this morning. Hope, the reality of hope, why did these people make it through? They made it through because they knew, they knew the God that, that they had trusted and they, they knew that if God made a promise, he was gonna fulfill his promise. And so they had hope in the midst of their fear. I think that's what hope does for us. It helps us with our fear. Number two, hope helps us deal. Hope helps me deal with life's unavoidable disappointments. The other two nights ago, we were uh, putting our Christmas tree up and putting all the ornaments on and, and there, was a, there was a Christmas movie on and and Christmas music was playing. It was like this iconic Hallmark movie in the Ford house, right? Not really, but that's what it felt like. And, you know, uh, we had to get the, the, the unbreakable uh, ornaments because Liam thinks that they're baseballs, and so he's throwing the ornaments all around. So it's just, it was a sight to be seen. It was great. Uh, then I, I started getting these text messages from my bank, and it said, did you just spend $120 at BJ's restaurant? Like, Nope, I didn't do that. Megan, did you just order like Uber Eats or something? Nope, okay. And it was like, Wingstop, $85. And I'm like, wow. 
$120 for dinner and then $85 post-dinner, not me, okay? And, then, and, you know, they keep telling me, like, $380 at Amazon. I'm like, no, that wasn't me. So they're like, call us immediately. So I like, call and, like, yeah, you know, Mr. Ford, your card has been, has been stolen. It's been hacked. And someone's just using it. And they're like, actually, right now, they're buying stuff on Nike. And, like, they're just, like, they're seeing my card just being like, this is very awesome. This is encouraging. And, like, don't worry. We'll work it all out. And... and but like, it was, it was just this reminder of like, I had zero control over this. I think I just pumped gas one time and put my card in and someone stole it. Zero control. How many realize we have, we have zero control over most disappointments that happen in our life? And that's such a small example, like that'll all get figured out. It's not a big deal. The, you know, the right people are, are handling it. It's gonna be great, but... There's also some people in this room that you're dealing with stuff that's way more significant, way more disappointing. Some of you have been lonely for way longer than you thought you would be. So your disappointment is that you're alone. Some of you are disappointed because you've been betrayed by somebody, betrayed by a spouse, betrayed by a friend, and those feelings of betrayal can lead to disappointment. Some of you feel cast aside or overlooked. These disappointments that Someone at work got the promotion instead of you. Someone in, in your family gets seen and you don't get seen. And all of a sudden you feel these feelings of disappointment of, over your life that you don't think is fair. You've been taken advantage of. You've lost your job. Maybe you've received the divorce papers. Maybe you've had a wayward son or a wayward daughter. My friends, what do we do in these situations? We, we run to hope. Because hope, optimism takes a situation and says, I'm just gonna spin it so it looks positive. Hope looks at a situation and says, that is hard and that is terrible and that might even get worse. Hope isn't blind is what I'm trying to get you to see this morning. Hope sees life's circumstances and the things that come at us and realizes, I don't know how, I don't, I don't know what, what, how God can redeem this. I don't know how God can restore this, but I know that he's an anchor for my soul and it might not change this side of eternity, but it might change when I get to heaven, whatever, or it's gonna change now. I don't know how the circumstance is gonna change, but I have this anchor that I hold on to. That though this, the hurricane type waves may never go away, your relationship with Jesus, nobody can take that from you. No one can take that from you. And you have this hope to make it through. I love what Romans chapter five says. It says, this hope will not lead to disappointment. This hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us his Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Friends, hope, hope doesn't say in some like overly optimistic way, I just know that it's all gonna get better. No, hope says, I know this might not get better and yet it's still gonna be okay. Does this make sense this morning? This is Christian hope and it's something the world is desperately looking for and it's something we get to carry as followers of Jesus. Here's the third thing as we end this morning. Hope teaches me to worship in the waiting. So in those moments where you're not sure how it's all gonna go, what do you do? I think you worship. The Bible Project put out this study and I, and I was reading it. It talks about the two Hebrew words for waiting. For waiting. The first one is yahal. 
Yahar. I just had a Hebrew person. Uh, she, she taught Hebrew in Jerusalem. Isn't that wild? Crazy? She corrected my pronunciation. So I just said it right at this service because I said it wrong at the 9 a.m. So she was so kind. And I got her email because I'm going to pick her brain on tons of Hebrew things. That's amazing. Uh, that Yahar, it's kind of fun to say now that I know how to say it right. <laughs> It's like the story of Noah and the ark. When Noah's on the boat and he's waiting, Yahal, he's waiting for the waters to recede, Yahal, waiting. The other Hebrew word is kavar, kavar. And that is that feeling of anticipation waiting for something to happen. You, you kavar, when a rope is about, like it's that feeling of like a rope. It's like if we were to play tug of war, one of you on this side, one of you on the other side, and we had this small little rope and we got everyone together. We said, how can we break the rope? And we're just watching it about to break. That's kavah. It's waiting. So there's a, there's a Hebrew word, yahal. We just wait for the waters to recede. But then there's this Hebrew word of wait of kavah, which is tension. See, I think some of you this morning are in the season of waiting where you've been on the ark like Noah waiting for the waters to recede and it's felt like a million years. Maybe it's only been a month or a day or two days, but it's felt like the season has gone forever and ever and ever and you're in the season of just like waters are receding. It's a season of waiting. And some of you are in this moment where you, you're, you have this joyful expectation that God's about to break breakthrough in your life, that God's about to break a circumstance, God's about to do something new, God's about to do something fresh. It's the same word that's about, this tension is the same word of this expectation in the spring when, uh, when a, a bulb is about to sprout, when something's about to happen, you just wait, you can't wait for that thing to sprout, and eventually it does, you're like, yes, it's here, that's, that's kava. You're like in this tension of waiting, of saying, okay, God, I just have this faith, like we just sang this morning. I, God, you're more than able, God, you're more than able to do it, I, I believe you, I have faith in this, that's kavah. And so some of you this morning, water's receding. You're like, hey, God, what do I do in this situation? And some of you this morning, you're like, it's about to break through and I know God's gonna do it. Whatever you're at on that spectrum, in the midst of the waiting, choose to worship. Choose to worship. Because that's what lifts our eyes. I love what it says in Romans chapter eight. It says, for in this hope we were saved. Hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not have, we wait for it what? We wait for it patiently. We wait for it patiently. And so that's what I want to do this morning as we end. You see, yes, sometimes hope feels triumphant. But I think this morning in my heart, what hope feels to me is reflective. Hope to me is that still rest, reflective, acknowledgement of the promises of God. Like he came through for Abraham, he's gonna come through for us. And we have this expectation for that. So here's what we're gonna do. We're just gonna sit for a few minutes. And I'm just gonna invite you just to be. She's gonna keep playing the piano. And I'm just gonna invite you just to be. When you have a thought about something, the scriptures call us to capture our thoughts. So you're gonna take a deep breath and these things are coming through your mind and you're gonna say, I'm gonna capture that. That's a lie, not the truth. Or I'm gonna capture that. That's a promise that I need to remember. And we just, you capture your thoughts and just see what the Lord might bring to your mind as we talked about hope this morning, okay? So Holy Spirit, come.
we choose just to sit, to not hurry. Hurry is the enemy of the spiritual life. So we choose just to rest and to wait. And we say, speak, Lord. Even just for a few minutes, we say, speak, Lord. We're listening. In Jesus' name. Take a few minutes just to listen. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to partner with us in sharing Jesus and helping people experience life change, you can support our mission by clicking the link in the description. If this message has impacted you, please subscribe and share. To learn more, visit wearecalvary.com. We'll see you back next week.